Welcome to the third in a series of conversations with mighty Casey Quinlan of Healthcare is Hilarious fame. We both take the raw audio file and publish our own productions. Casey published her version last week entitled Altered States. Mine is called Normal, a drier setting. We used each other's words with different perspectives on the same conversation. Fortunately, we're both doing better than we were a few weeks ago. The prednisone erased my debilitating pain. I bought a new stand for my baritone sax so I don't carry the weight around my neck through my spine. I graduated from five minutes a session to 30 minutes at a time, even rehearsing with my band last night and changed position with each tune. I'm walking better, though my altered state allows for less distance than before. I stopped taking a medication that dropped me into despondency. Life is good. In addition to, at the end, up front, let me thank Joey Van Leeuwen, who creates the amazing music for my podcast, and Kayla Nelson, who serves as my web social media coach and produces the video trailers for my podcast. You transform me from good to great. Now, for Casey and my musings. Welcome to Health Hats, the podcast. I'm Danny Van Leeuwen, a two-legged cisgender old white man of privilege who knows a little about a lot of health care and a lot about very little. We will listen and learn about what it takes to adjust to life's realities in the awesome circus of health care. Let's make some sense of all of this. I had something I wanted to talk about with you. Okay. Okay. Both of us have been dealing with the up and down of altering states. What I'm interested in is this adjusting to this. The new reality. The new realities. New realities and new normal, but normal is a drier setting, but yeah. Yeah, is a drier setting. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot myself is, so I'm on the the downside of uh, steroids, which is a, steroids are the most wonderful drug in the world and one of the worst. Yeah. I I have to say not a fan. The one time that I was on dexamethasone during this period of time over this year that you've been having my own adventure. I was like, if you ever try to get me to take that again, I'm going to punch you in the face. I feel that way until I hit a certain point. Yeah. And it seems like the only thing, but it, the, the point well, no, is, I mean, I also will the, say that the, the dexamethasone didn't do crap for the problem. Oh, oh. That it was supposed to, so it was like, I felt really speedy. And really yeah. tense and, you know, what you know, all the stuff that you get with steroids and it didn't actually help. So I'm like, oh. do not well, ask that, me to take that again right. because uh, no, if it helped, I would have probably right. felt a little less face punchy about right. it. For me, each time I've taken steroids, whether it's for MS flares or this back stuff, it has always 
been magic in how fast and how well it's yeah, served when it its works, purpose. It's great. And you know, yeah. when, when something works, it's like, oh, it doesn't matter yeah. what anybody else thinks. I'm just going to keep doing this. How, have they figured out what was exacerbating your back pain? Did they figure it out or was it just welcome to getting older or whatever? I think the root cause, the most immediate cause is swelling around spinal nerves. The question of how come now is, I think, still being figured out. But I'm a guy that mostly focuses on function. Right. What can I do? And what I can do has been changing. Yeah. And and I'm a born adapter. Yeah. Based on that, I get exactly what you're talking about because having always been all my life enabled, shall we say. Right. And, you know, as of today, I am now 69 and one day. So I've been around a while. Oh, happy birthday. Thank you. It was yesterday. It was great. I'm tired today, but it's a good tired. Anyway, I was always enabled, not as though I took that for granted or did not recognize the situation that other people, including peers and people that I worked with, were in with being not abled in some form, function, et cetera. Right. But now that I have crossed the Rubicon, the the river, whatever, and I'm now in the zone where I am 69. So I figure if you look at the, the span of history, human history, Getting to 69 would have been considered miraculous a couple hundred years ago. So, yay, hashtag winning. But because it's not as though I always entirely took my physical abilities for granted. And I did get put on notice a bunch of times, even starting in my late 20s and early 30s with back injuries and et cetera, that stuff could go sideways on you quickly if you're not careful. And then amusingly, at one point, I had a horseback riding accident. That got me, it's a long story, my one trip prior to my recent hospitalization, my one trip in ambulance. But it turned out that the broken neck that the one place thought they were seeing because what they were seeing on an x-ray and the CT guy had gone home, a smaller hospital in Brooklyn. So I had to wait hours anyway. So I got taken to another hospital in Brooklyn after hours in an ambulance. And then the neurosurgeon who finally showed up and read the the report said, oh, no, that's that's a healed break. And I'm like, "Okay." (laughs) so I broke my neck at some point and didn't know it. Cool. When I could have been the surfing accidents, the horseback riding. But there's so many times that I could have. But I'm glad. Hey, lucky me. I didn't know. I broke my neck and didn't know. But anyway, now that I'm in this position of having to use aids to walk around between a rolling walker and, and my cane. And and then there was a period of time this year until after the hospitalization that I was just getting worse and worse. And I could really not even walk two steps. And so it puts it as a formerly abled now, who knows what situation I'm in. I haven't asked anybody to help me get disabled, you know, a handicapped parking tag yet. I think that might be in my future, but I'll wait and see how good or bad things get. But at the same time, it does put me, despite my empathy, for other people during my life, friends of mine who are in wheelchairs or whatever, a lot of you know different things. It's given me an extra level layer of empathy for the situations that they can find themselves in. And it just the algorithms you have to go through to figure out, can I get in and out of that place? Yes. And once I get there and I get in, how do I get out? For example, yesterday, there's a local restaurant 
that I absolutely adore. It's called Perch. And the guy who is the owner chef has become a friend. He's one of the nicest human beings on the planet. So that's where I wanted to have my birthday dinner. But again, and they're observing pandemic rules. Everybody's being very, um, you know, like sensible. So I knew that I would feel comfortable and COVID safe while I was there. But I still, knowing the layout of the restaurant as well as I do, I called ahead of time to say, when I put it in my reservation that I'm immune compromised now and you know, because of cancer treatment, I really need to focus on not sitting next to other people with them breathing on me. I called and talked through various seating options. And they ended up putting me in this space that they call the the lanai, which has room for a few tables. And there's also a pass-through for their covered patio area outside. And there's, there's inside, there's a covered patio, and then there's this little lanai thing that's attached to, you know, the inside part of the restaurant. And based on where their restrooms are, I have no, you never have any idea. Am I going to need to go to the bathroom while I'm there? Well, I don't know, but maybe I will. And the thing that I didn't want to have to do is go from the covered patio all the way back out to the sidewalk and on my cane and then in the front door and then all the way to the back of the restaurant. And then knowing where the lanai was in the layout of the restaurant, it, the bathrooms are, are just right over there, you know, just out and around. No big deal. Because when I leave the house, I'm trying, I want to get back in the pool in about a week. And so I'm working hard on getting up, getting my sort of comfort level, distance level, whatever, with my cane as built up as possible so that I feel with this this idea of going in and out of the gym, because I don't want to have to take my rolling walker and work that in and out, whatever. That sounds more exhausting than just taking my cane. So that's the plan. But so I did have the parking for the place. It's like you go and I had to walk all the way around it, but that's fine. It's good practice working my way to the gym. But but it was like the algorithm that you have to do in your head. And then the pre-planning, it's okay, how am I going to maneuver around in this place? And like, what's my access point? And how do I get from point A to point B and whatever? And I managed to get in and get out even with martinis, wine, and rum as a after dinner drink in the mix, I made it back to the car. My sister drove home. I drove there and my sister drove home. She doesn't drink. You know, I was covered in all directions. Planning, <laughs> it's all in the planning. But yeah, that's right. the thing. People who do not have to, you know, concern themselves with any kind of physical incapability or whatever is it's just it's not something that they have to think about. And having been in that crowd for, you know, 60 odd years, it's, it's just, even though I had a lot of empathy and understanding and would, when I was making plans with disabled friends, would make sure that I thought through, like, where am I asking them to go? What am I asking them to do? And making sure that I hadn't done something stupid. But at the same time, it's just, you don't realize how much the world is really set up for people who can leap tall buildings at single bounds and how much of the world is not set up for anybody who can't do that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I think there's also, for me, it's been on a couple of levels. The main one is playing my horn. Yeah. I can play 10 minutes and 10 minutes is a tune. 10 minutes is not sufficient. And I'm waiting on a assistive device, hopefully that's going to help me. But but it's interesting thinking about, okay, maybe I should start playing a kazoo. Which horn is it? That you I know play a baritone saxophone. saxophone. Baritone sax, yeah. So it's like a 25-pound horn. 
That's a good, that's a good oh, side. It's horn. a big horn. That's a big old horn. Yeah. And I love it. And I have played clarinet in the past and I have played an alto sax in the past and, but I don't want to. And so there's like figuring out that then it's the, I used to be able to go with two canes on a good day. I could walk three quarters of a mile into town rest for half an hour to an hour, and then walk home. And now I'm really lucky to go six blocks. And thinking about, okay, is this my new reality? And okay, so what does that mean? So I think that part of it is, as you're describing, is the logistical, practical, okay, these are the capabilities today, what does that mean in terms of going to the bathroom wherever you are? Right. Or getting in the door or out right. of the door, whatever. But then I'm also finding it's the, oh my God, this is the new me. Do I like this? It's I am, this is, oh man, this is the new well, me. But this, it's, there's that piece of it. It's a challenge to your ability to adapt, certainly. And, you know, having, going through this, like a, a version or like a small slice of it myself currently with the mobility issues presented by bone mitts yeah. that have settled into my hip and pelvis and lower spine. It's just, it's been an interesting journey. Again, the empathy piece, not as though I was, I considered myself the most empathetic person in the, on the planet, but I realized that even I, who thought I was doing okay, fell short in some things that one assumes about stuff. Yeah, but it's certainly put on my mind now. And if I do, I don't think it's going to happen. But if I do fully regain, you know, total mobility, I'll be really grateful for that. But in the meanwhile, in in my current situation, whatever I can do, I will try to do, and whatever I can't do, I will figure try to figure out a hack. And I don't know if you've seen online around DefCon and the biohacking village. One of the patient communities involved in the DEF CON biohacking village have come up with a new hashtag. We are calling ourselves patient hackers. So hashtag patient hackers. You have to look into it. Anything to do with code. I, right. mean, I get it. I get it. It's a I'm having difficulty describing DEF CON to the uninitiated like me. Wikipedia says DEFCON is one of the world's largest and most notable hacker conventions, held annually in Las Vegas, Nevada. The first DEFCON took place in June 1993, and today many attendees at DEFCON include computer security professionals, journalists, lawyers, federal government employees, security researchers, students, and hackers with a general interest in software, computer architecture, hardware modification, conference badges, and anything else that can be hacked. The event consists of several tracks of speakers about computer and hacking-related subjects and cybersecurity challenges and competitions, known as hacking war games. Contests held during the event are incredibly varied and can range from creating the longest Wi-Fi connection, air cracking, to finding the most effective way to cool a beer in the Nevada heat. 
people who confront the medical industrial complex and have needs uh, beyond, yeah, okay, you're fine. See you again next year. Right. People who have, you know, healthcare needs beyond the, the nobody, yeah, I don't need that. I'm okay. You have to figure out how to work the system hacking. You have to figure out how to work the system so you get what you need or your family gets, if you're a family caregiver, et cetera. We're all hacking this all the time. And I think that it does a disservice to people who fix broken problems, broken issues, things that aren't working for them or for their, their communities. We're all hackers in that sense. It doesn't really have anything right. to do with code. Although oh, that's a really good frame. Your, if that's your challenge, but yeah, but I like that. Patients like Andrea Downing, the okay. founder of the Light Collective, with yeah. that because she was the one who first really put it in on online, put it up on the walls of the internet. And she gave a talk yesterday at DEF CON in the biohacking village about how patient hackers are, how a lot of the healthcare system could get fixed if they start listening to it. Now a word about our sponsor, Abridge. Use Abridge to record your doctor visit. Push the big pink button and record the conversation. Read the transcript or listen to clips when you get home. Check out the app at abridge.com, A-B-R-I-D-G-E.com, or download it on the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Record your healthcare conversations. Let me know how it went. The one of the the hacks that it, it is always that I find people are more than willing to help. That I am blessed with. I do not have inhibition to asking for help. Some people do. That is not a burden I have. I feel like people can say no. That is surprisingly rich. Yeah, it is. On the other hand, on the other hand. It's frustrating as hell. Yeah, and I I don't know. I hate to keep doing it. Yeah, I feel you. And again, because I have stepped across into a new land myself and asking for help or needing some assistance or whatever, it's just, right. it, it's been a journey. It's been an interesting journey. Yeah. And you've been on it a lot longer than I have. I joined the club, you know, what, toward the end of last year, the beginning of this year. Mm-hmm. But this, it's Terra Nova for me, and you've been doing it much longer. And I get it because if you look at the world as it tries to present itself to humans, as our culture, society, whatever, tries to present itself, everybody's supposed to be able to do handsprings and do all the things and enjoy their lives, you know, fully, et cetera. And yes, we are, but it's what we see presented as normal life. Again, normal is a dryer setting, but what is presented as normal human life is pretty much... 99.999% abled world. And then there's this little slice that every once in a while you'll see somebody in a wheelchair or with prosthesis or whatever, or blind, or now with the Paralympics starting next week, we get a, a little bit more, but still it's just, it's the abled world presents itself as the normal. So people who don't think about these issues are, eh, 
when confronted with somebody who can't just do thank you, Nike, whatever. And if you ask for help and you said you said you are good at that, I will ask for help if I need it. And it's that's also a journey because for someone who broke barriers as a woman and as an engineer in broadcasting back in the late 70s and early 80s, asking for help is something that at the time was not in my programming. I, they, I had to erase that part of the code. There were, I will say, there were a few people, but asking for help, I've certainly gotten better at. It. And women ask other women for help without any, any problem. I know that men aren't coded for that culturally as much. And women, we're, we're taught from you know early childhood that other girls will probably be more helpful to us than anyone else other girls and women. And so ask for help in that zone. But with guys, I think culturally, we've really screwed you fellas, particularly in the West, at least in most cultures that I can think of that I know of is that men are supposed to be like, we're the ones in charge and we don't need any goddamn help. And we're going to do it all. We're going to, you know, we're freedom. I'm like, wait a minute. What if you're actually a human being? I don't know a single human being that can't get through, well, other than Ted Kaczynski. We we all see how that turned out. But people who, humans need other humans. We need help from other people to do anything, really, pretty much. And, And not recognizing that is, I think, one of the things standing in the way of human progress. Interesting. But you learn about that mindset, I think, a little bit more when you find your own place in the world challenged by something. It could be anything from economic circumstances to physical disabilities to access to education. It's just all of the all of the possible pieces and parts and intersections of human life. If one piece is missing, you have to figure out the hack to fig, you know, to to get that part of the puzzle on your board, and. It's almost impossible to do it by yourself. You will have to find somebody to help you hack it. And sometimes people come up with stuff on their own. Absolutely. But then you have to sell the idea to somebody else because if it's just you, that's fine. And you solved your problem. But did that help anybody else? You don't know until you go out there and offer it up. And then you've helped someone else. So I'm thinking uh, we might see each other next month. I am thinking that's a mortal lock. I am tracking the infection rates both locally and up there. As far as I know, the conference is still on as of yeah. yesterday. And I'm planning this week on pulling the trigger on, on getting my ticket. I've already booked a hotel. So I'm really looking forward to being with other people. Hopefully my my neutrophils, my white blood cells will yes. have bounced back by then. Stay tuned for updates. Okay. So I may have to be like the... Hi from elbow thing. I will confess that last night while I was at the restaurant where I had dinner, the guy who's the owner chef, who's a a friend, I hugged him. He was wearing a mask. I hugged him because he deserves hugs. Mm -hmm. And I just, it's one of those things where, you know, I just, I have to be careful. Oh, and then there was that day long con that I was going to go to here locally in Richmond. The local tech council was going to have their first live event since the pandemic which was the last event that I live event I went to back in March last year. They were planning this Thursday on having their return to live events, but they've changed because Virginia, particularly this area, is high risk of transmissions. Up in Middlesex County, which is where Boston is, and that's where this conference is, is is I can't remember which is high higher, high substantial one or the other, but I'm just keeping an eye on it. Yeah. I'm just going to mask up 
take all the Purell and just try not to, I'm going to stay masked unless I'm putting food or drink to my pie hole. Done. There you go. Well, it's good to talk to you and I look forward to seeing you. Forward to seeing you too. This, like I said, it's pretty much a mortal lock unless they cancel the con. We're going to observe proper protocols, but we will still love the hell out of each other. However we do it. There you go. Thank you. Thank you, dear. It's just the things I've learned in the journey this year have been, it's a never ending journey. This learning as I was getting ready to depart from my birthday dinner is cancer can't kill me yet. I have too many problems to hack, fix in healthcare. So fuck cancer. I ain't done. I ain't quitting till I'm dead. And then I want you all to carry me off the battlefield on my shield and then keep fighting because that's the only way we're going to hack this universe into a more human-friendly place. Thanks, honey. I love you, man. I'm going to see I you. I love you. Time. Take care. All right, sweetie. Bye-bye. My brain ties into knots when I hear people who expound on the impact of COVID, and they say, what will the new normal mean for you? I think. What old normal do we leave behind? Who's normal? Isn't every day a new normal? I go up and down, back and forth. Normal, normal, normal. Normal is a drier setting. A new normal feels fleeting, like seeing shapes in the clouds. Normal is a frame without value. It's pining for some vague, selective, old normal. It does me no good as a person with a progressive condition. Instead, I strive to understand and accept what is, and then figure out my path to peak performance, best health. It's a superpower. I just love Casey. Can you tell? Dryer settings, patient hacking, pithy turns of phrase to reveal the essence. Casey, the outrageous revolutionary, overlaying Danny, plotting with one foot in front of the other. Both are strategic, practical, and charismatic. Look out, world. Thanks for joining us. Onward. Thanks to Kayla Nelson, web and social media coach, and Joey Van Leeuwen, musician and arranger. See the show notes, previous podcasts, and other resources through my website, www.health-hats.com. Please subscribe and contribute. If you like it, share it. Thanks. See you around the block.